Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's day two of Kamala Harris's trip to Central America, and while the vice president claims to be addressing the root causes of the crisis, thousands of migrants continue to stream across the border. We'll take a look at the latest platitudes and empty rhetoric from Biden's border czar, who can't seem to find her way to the border in tonight's Hold the Line. And I want to emphasize that the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home. At the same time, I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. The vice president there uh, flew over the border, didn't stop at it, has never stopped at it, has no interest in speaking to border patrol down there, seeing for herself, as I have, the large numbers of migrants illegally crossing into the United States and then claiming defensive asylum once they have been apprehended. Doesn't want to see that. She wants to go to Central America. That's where she is right now, the vice president, having meetings with with leaders of countries like Guatemala, and she's telling people that they should not come to the country illegally. Do we think that's going to change anything? Do we think that there's going to be a shift now in the enormous surge, uh, continuing surge at our border, 170,000 is the projection, not yet confirmed, but expected for last month, that's May. 170,000 apprehensions. That doesn't even include gotaways, and there are tens of thousands of those at the border, people who just made a run for it and made it. We're never, uh, we're never apprehended, never arrested, never processed. So what is the answer? Kamala Harris just telling us that we're gonna deal with climate change and root causes in Central America. This is fundamentally unserious. If she really wanted to handle the problem, it is a U.S. law enforcement, border enforcement issue first and foremost, and there must be a change in the incentive structure for people that want to come into the country at the front of the immigration line by illegally entering America. Here is Kamala saying, oh no, she has no interest in a grand gesture like actually going to get some ground truth as borders are at the border. On the issue of uh, Republicans' political um, attacks or criticism um, or even concerns, uh, the reason I am here in Guatemala as my first trip as Vice President of the United States um, is because this is one of our highest priorities and I came here to be here on the ground to speak with the leader of this nation around what we can do in a way that is significant, is tangible, and has real results. And I will continue to be focused on that kind of work as opposed to grand gestures. Significant, tangible, real results. Like what? Notice that she's speaking in platitudes here. You know, we're going to come together and we're going to have a meeting of the minds and solution-oriented, think outside the box, whatever, right? Okay, what are you going to do? 
Guatemala has neither the resources nor the will to stop anyone from leaving that country that wants to. So how exactly is this going to work? Oh, we're going to give foreign aid to Guatemala? Is that going to change the calculation for a person who is willing to be an illegal migrant in the United States? In many cases, people are putting their children in the hands of cartels, in the hands of cartel smugglers to get them in the U.S. To give you a sense of how much they want to enter illegally, that's the kind of risk they're willing to run, not only for themselves, for their own children. And Kamala Harris thinks if we give a little more money to the government of uh, Guatemala, the governments of El Salvador and Honduras, that the flow will stop. What about the other 60 some odd countries that have people showing up, coming into the United States illegally by walking across our southern border? What is Guatemala going to do about that? Does she ever address this? No, of course not. Uh, Because what she wants this to be is a photo op tour of Kamala on the world stage, Kamala, the great internationalist, sitting down and doing the kind of important stuff that a future president would do. And of course, do a bit of virtue signaling on the side and just talk about how the real problem here from her perspective is that we just need to do more to support the migrants who are coming into America illegally. Here's what she said. The kind of violence and danger that is associated with that trek especially when we're talking about from Guatemala through Mexico to the United States. It is extremely dangerous. We are looking at a a, a situation where people are fleeing because of hunger, because of the hurricanes, because of the pandemic. So the reason I am here is, is to address those issues, knowing that the people who are here for generations, they want to stay. They don't want to leave, but they need opportunity. They need assistance. They need support. No, a lot of them want to leave. I've spoken to them, actually, at the border, which Kamala Harris has not done, does not seem to want to do. I've sat there and heard their stories about how they're here for economic opportunity. There is no future in which Guatemala is going to have a similar standard of living per capita, a similar job market. There's no realistic future in which that's going to be the case. Not in five years, not in 50 years. So what exactly is Kamala Harris saying? Well, that's the question of the day, because this is the part of the interview that NBC News cut out, didn't want you to see, but then people found it and they put it out there. And here's what the vice president actually says about her border czar dumb. Any plans to visit the border? At some point, you know, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole, this, whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. You don't understand the point? You're saying you've been to the border, and the journalist, Lester Holt, who is on your team, who's a Democrat, who wants to help you, is saying, but you have not been to the border. So why are you saying in an interview right now that you have done something you have not done? By making this a we thing, that does not change the fact that we have actually not had the vice president who's in charge of fixing the border crisis go there. So yeah, NBC News trying to help her out, trying to cut that out so people won't see it, but we found it. And in case you're you're wondering at this point, if there's any doubt in your mind that yes, in fact, There is a problem here that, yes, in fact, it is the Biden administration coming into office and deciding to dispense with 
the procedures and policies the Trump administration put in place, like the Remain in Mexico policy, first and foremost, to deal with this issue, until there's an acceptance that that's what happened and that's why there's the surge, the Biden administration has caused this tidal wave of illegal migration in the United States, we don't get anywhere, folks. So if you're wondering, here's actually the president of Guatemala who's saying, oh yeah, it's Biden's fault, by the way. When President Biden relaxed U.S. border policy, he says the administration sent out a more welcoming message. The talk that they were going to allow family reunification made the coyotes take a lot of children towards the border of the United States. The Biden administration rhetoric about immigration, the lack of enforcement, family reunification, all these different issues, the cartel human smugglers, the coyotes, and by the way, the cartels are making hundreds of millions of dollars on this whole procedure. In addition to all the money they're making with the drug smuggling, that's just on the human smuggling. Uh, the cartel said, oh wow, now's a great time to start bringing people across the border because their children and the family units will be able to stay. Let's go, let's bring everybody. That is exactly what happened. The president of Guatemala, this is not Donald Trump. It's not a Republican. The president of Guatemala is saying it and Democrats are just like, no. We've been to the border, except you haven't. Not Kamala, at least. She has not been to the border. And she's not going. You know why? Because of the fear of a photo of her at what is a clear crisis that she's supposed to fix. And not only will she be unable to, she's unwilling to. She's got her eye on the Oval Office for herself, as we all know. All right, coming up, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis taking aim at Dr. Anthony Fauci, telling folks it's time to choose freedom over Fauciism. Up next, we'll talk to Florida State House candidate Brian Cloutis about DeSantis's leadership in his home state. Stay right there. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it successfully. It allows everyday hardworking Americans to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in clear enough terms during this quick 60 second commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, just go to that website. At the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate, where you can hear me talking to the founders of the company about my experience with their company as a client in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail, from picking the city to the house, getting the broker, getting the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends at Done For You Real Estate a chance to show you what they can do for you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Said it before, I'll say it again, because I think it's true. Ron DeSantis is the best governor in the country, period. Here's just the latest reason why. Take a look. The largest concert since the pandemic began. And the only reason we're doing that is because Florida chose freedom over theft. Freedom over Fauciism, spoken like a true patriot, a man who actually cares what the data and the science say. Joining me now is somebody who's running in the great state of Florida's House of Representatives, District 6, GOP candidate in that great state, Brian Cloudis, also buddy of mine from way back when. Brian, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. Back from the Amherst days, right? That's right. Tell me, man, how, how is it to be in a state that your own governor described as America's version of West Germany now, back when the wall used to go up, right? As, as a beacon of freedom to the rest of America. What's, what's going on down there? Well, it is pure joy. I mean, there is no other state I would rather live in. I mean, you know, as we see the, the country sort of crumble around us, I go to bed every night so thankful that I live in the state of Florida underneath the incredible leadership of our governor. I mean, no, this has been over a year. You know, it's like, I mean, the way that he dealt with COVID, um, the way that he has dealt with pretty much everything over this past year. I mean, he is, he is the model of how states should be run in this country. And I always say you can tell when a governor is doing things right, because that is when the left rips them to shreds on the most ridiculous things possible. So Ron is doing something right because he is driving liberals absolutely insane. So to put it shortly, it is absolutely joy personified to live in this state. And I know you're running for uh, for office there. So it's a good thing that your your home state is, <laughs> is a place that you are a big fan of. Tell me this. Uh, Governor DeSantis has recently been taking on big tech at the state level, effectively preventing the social media giants from being able to take action against a candidate like yourself, by the way, for state office in Florida. Well, what, what do you think about this? And is that are you expecting it's the beginning of of more actions like it? I say, thank the Lord. He's doing what should be happening at the federal level. And it's not. So he's saying, well, we're going to be doing it at the state level, at least. I mean, the censorship that is going on in our country is absolutely ridiculous. When big tech has more power than our actual government, 
When we live in a country that allows a, seat, a seated president to be deplatformed, I mean, it's truly horrifying to think what we are living in. And kudos to Governor DeSantis for saying, you know what? We're going to make change at a state level. I mean, this is why we have state legislation, because things can go, pardon my French, to crap in the country. But you can choose to live in a state that is getting things right. And what the governor is doing in this state, again, is bar none to anyone. He is tackling these things like big tech. He is tackling the fact that you should not have to have a COVID vaccination passport to do things. I mean, these are basic rights as human citizens of this country that are being infringed upon. I mean, it is truly ridiculous. And he is calling it out left after right. And I mean, look at look at his fight against China as well. I mean, these are things that that are shocking that we're have to, having to fight at a state level. But he's just hitting these all like straight on. I mean, you know, his legislation with like the CCP, he was like, this is ridiculous that we're in bed with these people. You know, we need to as Americans say, no more ties to China, no more sleeping with the enemy, but he's gonna do it at least in our state level. So I think that he is creating legislation at a state level that needs to be echoed at the national level. And I think he's setting himself up for some really exciting things nationally for his future. Yeah, you know, you mentioned vaccine passports, uh, Brian, and DeSantis has recently clashed with, uh, with the cruise ship industry on this one. He said that, quote, in Florida, your personal choice regarding vaccinations will be protected and no business or government entity will be able to deny you services based on your decision. So just just to be clear, because I think there's a similar uh, a similar uh, rule that's come down in Texas as well. But so now in the state of Florida, private businesses are not even allowed to discriminate on the basis of vaccination status. Is that where we are? Absolutely. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, if you want to get a vaccination, get it. But don't force everyone around you to have to get the vaccination as well. I mean, where has our personal freedom gone? It is absolutely mind boggling that you have to have a card to get into public arenas. You have to show your card to get on a cruise ship. I mean, if you want to get your vaccination and feel safe on a cruise ship, more power to you. But why do you need everyone around you to get the vaccination as well? Like it makes no sense to me that you have to force everyone around you to behave the way that you want behavior to happen in order for you to feel safe. I mean, it's these small incremental things that happen that really tiptoe into what it's gonna feel like to live in a communist or socialist country to where you don't have personal freedom, to where you don't have you know, agency to make your own choice. And Governor DeSantis is saying, enough with all this bull crap. Here's the vaccination, get it if you want to get it. Here is the data. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. I mean, it's the same with masking. You know, he's he's said from day one, it needs to be a personal choice. You know, if you want to make your own personal decisions, make them, but do not force the entire rest of the state or country to behave that you want them to. It's just ridiculous. So. I applaud him for standing up to the cruise ship industry because, you know, Florida, I think, is the, the largest port in the country for cruise ships. I mean, he is going against a, a ton of power and, you know, a ton of revenue that comes into our state. But he is saying, you know, what's most important to me? It is the personal freedom of Floridians. And that is what you want your governor to be fighting for, the citizens. He is the people's governor he is not the governor of power and big money. So I'm just so freaking thankful that he is my governor. 
And I can't wait to be in the house next year and hopefully get to work with them. Brian, that's a perfect transition to tell everybody where they can go if they're happy, if they happen to be Florida residents, they want to get involved, want to want to get uh, a piece of your campaign here. Where do they go? Yeah, so go to my website, which is Cloudus for House, um, C-L-O-W-D-U-S-F-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, um, Facebook, and Instagram, and it's just my name, Brian Cloudus. So please follow me. Um, I would love y'all's support and uh, love to stay in touch with everyone. Absolutely. Brian, we'll talk to you soon. Good luck to you in your race. We look forward to talking to you when you are in the Florida State House. Absolutely. Thanks, Buck. A major victory for the Second Amendment as a California judge strikes down the state's ban on AR-15s. Editor of BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards, is going to join us for a closer look at the ruling next. Are you ready for the next national disaster? If we learned one thing recently, it's that the unthinkable can happen at any minute. Now, the best way to ensure you survive is to prepare now with an emergency stockpile of food from My Patriot Supply. They're America's preparedness leader, giving millions peace of mind for an uncertain future. But don't wait until it's too late. Act now, before there's a stock market crash, civil unrest, natural disaster, or worse. My Patriot Supply has served millions of families for over a decade, earning 39,000 four- and five-star reviews. Their food is specially packaged to stay fresh and delicious for 25 years. And unlike other emergency foods, each meal provides 2,000 much-needed calories when you need the most. If you act now, you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Just go to preparewiththefirst.com right now to save 25% on a valuable four-week kit. That's preparewiththefirst.com. One more time, you'll get that valuable four-week kit with a 25% savings when you go to preparewiththefirst.com. Welcome to Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
A big win for advocates of the Second Amendment. A federal judge in California overturned a three-decade-old ban on assault weapons last Friday, ruling the law violated the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. In the ruling, U.S. District Court Judge Roger Benitez wrote, The Second Amendment is about America's freedom, the freedom to protect oneself, family, home, and homeland. California's assault weapon ban disrespects that freedom. So what does this latest victory actually mean for gun owners in California and perhaps across the country? Joining me now, the editor of BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards. Cam, good to see you. Hey, Buck. Thanks so much for the invite. I can't remember the last time I read a federal judge writing about the Second Amendment, and I was thinking to myself, this is somebody who actually believes in the Second Amendment. <laughs> it's been a while. What, what, t- tell folks the background of this case and, and why it's so important in California, the assault weapons ban. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about uh, Judge Roger Benitez. He does get it. Uh, So back in the late 1980s, California decided that it was going to ban guns that it deemed to be, quote unquote, assault weapons. And there is no standard definition of assault weapon in California. They've actually changed the definition at least four times over the last 30 years or so. Uh, This basically is, you know, any gun that the state of California wants to ban. So group of uh, Second Amendment organizations and individual gun owners brought suit, uh, claiming that this ban was unconstitutional. And last Friday, Judge Roger Benitez agreed in this 94-page opinion, which I got to tell you, uh, Buck, you know, the, the, the left and gun control advocates, they're focusing on the first sentence where Judge Benitez compares the AR-15 uh, to a Swiss Army knife, uh, pointing out that they're both, you know, very uh, utilitarian in nature. AR-15s are owned for self-defense, for hunting, for recreation, competitive shooting. Uh, But this is a 94-page opinion, and the judge just absolutely dismantles every single argument that the state of California put forward about why the most popular rifle in America today should be banned. And what has that ban led to? I mean, in California, are there people who have grandfathered in assault rifles? Can you just not buy them? I mean, well, what has been the result of this 30-year ban in California? Yeah, so those who possessed these guns legally before 1989, they could, they were grandfathered in. Uh, And then every time the state would change the definition, right, those existing owners were grandfathered in, but you couldn't buy, uh, you know, rifles with certain features. So even today, there are uh, what are called featureless rifles that are legal to purchase in California. And one of the things that Judge Benitez noted in his opinion was that California supposedly put this ban in place to cut down on mass shootings. Well, the same number of mass shootings are taking place in California 30 years after this ban. Uh, And basically the same percentage of these mass shootings involve the use of rifles as opposed to handguns. So the ban actually hasn't made anybody safer, hasn't reduced violent crime, uh, but it has made it more difficult for Californians to fully exercise their right to keep and bear arms. In fact, not only has it made it more difficult, it's made it impossible for them to do so. Now, what are the, uh, what are the, results immediately for, I mean, our largest state by population, California. Uh, my understanding, Cam, is that this, this decision is still being stayed for 30 days while they kind of figure out whether they actually are going to abide by the decision or some, some procedural, what actually happens? I mean, from what I understand, unfortunately, my friends who live in LA and San Diego, et cetera, can't run out and get their first AR legally yet. Is that, is that where we are? 
That is where we are, unfortunately, yes. Judge Benitez did stay this decision, as you noted, for 30 days. The state of California, the attorney general there, uh, uh, Mr. Bonta, has already said that he is going to appeal. I'd say there's probably a 99% chance that the Ninth Circuit is going to uh, uh, you know, uh, agree that uh, this uh, opinion should not take effect while the case is being appealed. So it means in the short term, nothing really changes for gun owners. But over the next couple of years, a lot could change. You know, later this fall, the Supreme Court's going to take up a case dealing with New York's carry laws. And not only will the court have a chance to address that injustice, but they'll also be able to lay out specific steps that courts need to consider when they're examining the constitutionality of gun control laws. So they could give some pretty direct guidance to the Ninth Circuit going forward saying, listen, You've got to consider, you know, a, a, a strict scrutiny standard here, right? Uh, you've got to consider the Second Amendment to be as fundamental a right as the First Amendment. You can't try to give due deference to the state to pass all kinds of gun control laws. So by the time this case gets to the Supreme Court, uh, the Ninth Circuit, you know, could be hemmed in by what the court has said. Uh, and I think that we're still likely to have a, a pro-Second Amendment majority on the Supreme Court. So. Um, I think the odds are good that, you know, over the next three to four years, this case is ultimately decided at the highest court in the land in favor of California gun owners and the right to keep and bear arms. Well, just tell us what's at issue in the in the New York case. I follow that one as a New Yorker who has basically had his Second Amendment rights denied his entire life, New York City resident in particular, which means, you know, this is basically a gun-free zone except for criminals and people with connections to the uh, police department, which is a whole other conversation. Um, but is this related to New York City not even knowing what's legal and what's not for people who have premise permits and are transporting them? Or is this about open carry? What's at issue with the New York case? Yeah, specifically, this is about concealed carry. Uh, Open carry is illegal in New York. So the only option that residents have in order to exercise the right to bear arms is to get a concealed carry permit. Uh, And in order to do so in New York State, and then separately, New York City has its own set of gun control laws, You've got to show good cause. The average person, Buck, does not have the right to bear arms in New York State or in New York City. You've got to be special. You have to outline some sort of special circumstance. Somebody's stalking me, or maybe I work with a lot of money. I have to take it to the bank late at night. But I live in a bad neighborhood, and I want to be able to protect my kids. Or I have the right to keep and bear arms. That's not considered good cause. And so that's what the Supreme Court is going to be taking up, whether or not these laws violate the Second Amendment rights of New Yorkers. And also, I want to check in with you on Governor Abbott and the constitutional carry law in Texas. We reported on it a while back. I think we might have talked about it with you. Uh, Did he sign it? Because he was delaying signing it for a little bit there. Yeah, I'm not aware that Governor Abbott has actually signed this bill yet. Uh, I'm not aware of that either. Very supportive of it. He has been supportive of it. I, I kind of wonder if there's not some like behind the scenes machinations of trying to get, you know, all the uh, uh, the folks in the same room that Governor Abbott wants to be there for the signing ceremony, because I don't think this is going to be something that Governor Abbott signs, you know, in the dark of night away from the press. Uh, this is a big step forward for gun owners in the state of Texas and around the country. And I'd like to think that Governor Abbott is uh, putting together a big celebration. Uh, and maybe a big to do for that signing. I've ceremony. heard Cam and tell me if you think this this washes. Uh... I've heard that the, some of the police unions in Texas are actually giving them a hard time over it. You know, I, I think that's probably the case. Uh, I do. But uh, the Sheriff's Association, I believe, in Texas remained neutral on that legislation. There were some changes that were made. And I'm not aware of any formal objections 
to uh, to the bill from police organizations. There may be some behind the scenes discussions. Yeah, it was it was stuff raised to the governor's stable. office. It wasn't public, but I, I've heard. I just want to know if you believe if you find that credible. That's the that's what I've been reported to in back channels that some of the police unions in Houston, in Dallas, Austin, I'm sure, which is you know like a communist dystopia. Um, so we got to watch that one because Cam, I was all excited. Oh, constitutional carry in Texas could spread other places across the country. I don't think it's gone through yet. So keep an eye on that one for us, will you? I certainly will. Here's here's the thing, though, Bud. If if Greg Abbott has uh, any serious intentions of running for president in 2024, he cannot be the guy to stop constitutional carry from going into effect in Texas. Absolutely not. I think you're absolutely right. So I'm wondering what happens here. But maybe it'll just be a big like ticker tape parade kind of situation with that signing. We'll have to wait and see. But Cam, bringing the expertise, dropping the hammer on the expertise here, as always. Thanks so much, man. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. A New York City psychiatrist is getting a lot of negative attention in the media for her controversial lecture a little while back to a group of students at Yale University. We'll break down her disgusting rhetoric and the light it shines on critical race theory when uh, we come back. And you do not want to miss this. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. New York City psychiatrist is taking a lot of heat over the shocking comments she made during a lecture at Yale University School of Medicine. Dr. Aruna Kilanani told the audience of students that she had fantasies of shooting white people in the speech she called the psychopathic problem of the white mind. Listen to some of it here. I had fantasies of unloading a revolver into the head of any white person that got in my way, daring their body and wiping my bloody hands as I walked away relatively guiltless. With a gun on my step, like I did the world a favor. White people are out of their minds and they had been for a long time. How many young minds did she infect with that disgusting rhetoric? And is anyone gonna hold her accountable for it? Why wasn't Yale upset about this? A lot to unpack here. Let's bring in biotech entrepreneur and author of Woke Inc., Vivek Ramaswamy, Uh, And Vivek, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. Hey, good to join. How you doing? So this New York City-based psychiatrist is saying she only meant to use provocation as a tool for real engagement. I feel like this is when somebody says something that's really offensive and they go, oh, I was just kidding. (laughs) No, you weren't. Yeah, well, look, I I think that she is a psychiatrist or psychologist. She sounds more like a psychiatric patient than somebody who's in a position to actually treat patients. But let's put her to one side. This is emblematic of the new woke movement, right? This is not just some crazy, this is somebody who's actually channeling the violent intentions of a new movement 
that justify, even at the limit, violence if it's advancing the right so-called progressive end. And a good way to see that is imagine if the roles were reversed and she was talking about any other race other than white people, what the reaction would have been. And that brings us to what I think is the essence of the moment that we live in today. It is a moment of woke supremacy. And I personally think that at this moment in our history, woke supremacy actually represents a bigger threat to the United States than white supremacy, not because one is better or worse than the other, both are bad. But the problem is only one of them has really taken every American institution from our universities to our companies, to our nonprofits by storm. And I do think it's important that we first call that out and then start a counter movement that dilutes this to irrelevance. What is woke supremacy, Vivek? You know, woke supremacy is effectively the product of a new culture of fear in this country where there is really no greater critique that could be leveled against you in modern America than to be called a racist. And against the backdrop of being called a racist or bending the knee to this new religion, everyday Americans are choosing to bend the knee. And that has created a new culture of fear that has completely replaced our culture of free speech, fear of losing your job, fear of getting a bad grade in school, fear of becoming a pariah in your own community, such that we have sacrificed true diversity of thought in the name of diversity, in the name of inclusion, we've actually created this new exclusionary culture where certain points of view just aren't welcome. And there is, as a consequence, a new cultural red guard in this country that is the equivalent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution, except instead of pushing classical Marxism, this time they're pushing wokeism. And I think that's the moment we live in where wokeism used to be about challenging the system. Today, it is the system. And we're gonna need new heterodox thinkers, new countercultural speakers to be able to stand up to that new orthodoxy to make sure that we revive an American ethos where we don't bow down to any orthodoxy, let alone a woke one. Were you surprised that not only would Yale University host this kind of a speech, but afterwards there was really, there was nothing happened until this came to, to public view, the speech, you know, the audio of this, the New York Post did a write up on it. And if anyone had said what this, this, uh, this uh, psychiatrist had said, about another race, another gender. Uh, I even said, if, if you claim this about, you know, cats, that you were gonna go out and execute cats because you hate them so much, there'd be an outcry. People would say, that's vicious, that's crazy, that's insane. She's talking about human beings killing them and no one watching this has a problem? How is that possible? That's part of what woke supremacy is all about. It's about having to actually listen to the unthinkable, but to ultimately submit and accept it. And the fact that Yale took this long, I mean, I'm speaking as a Yale alum myself. I went to Yale Law School. My wife went to the Yale School of Medicine. She went to Yale College. We, we actually pay a lot of attention to this story. And I'm personally ashamed of how long it took the university to be able to put out even what ended up being a very meek denunciation of this. When in fact, there's all kinds of other speakers who actually have intellectually, potentially provocative things to say, but they don't involve even a hint of violence that today are canceled on campuses like Yale's on a regular basis. And so that two-sided standard where you have an institution that in the name of advancing a liberal arts education, in the name of advancing a marketplace of ideas, is really only giving air, it was really only giving airtime in an unfiltered way to one side of a full ideological spectrum. And to me, it's one thing to say that you're an institution based on orthodoxy, maybe you're a religious institution, maybe you're based on a particular orthodoxy and you own it, that's one thing. But what bothers me more is when a number of companies to universities claim to claim to live by this new deliberative model where all ideas are welcome and we're supposed to be in this open marketplace of ideas, yet actually in practice are behaving like institutions 
the accord according to orthodoxy. And I think that that's actually the moment we live in where there's a dishonesty, where the institutions that say that they're all about the free exchange of ideas are actually about anything but the free exchange of ideas. They're about getting in an orthodoxy into the minds of the next generation through the back door. Pick up your copy of Woke Inc., folks. Read more about what Vivek has to say. Thanks so much for joining us, sir. Good to see you. Good to see you. Peter Daszak, one of the men at the center of the lab leak theory, spent a year denying COVID could have come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now an explosive video has resurfaced in which Daszak freely admitted the lab was involved in the very type of research that could have caused the outbreak. We have that for you coming up in Quick Hits. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now. Learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home, or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now at 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-G-O-L-D. The man at the center of the lab leak theory caught on tape, and good news for stunners looking to get vaccinated. Hey, bro. Those stories on tonight's Quick Hits, let's get to them, shall we? EcoHealth Alliance's Peter Daszak in 2016 said some very interesting things. Let's just remember, Peter Daszak is the guy who's the third party who directed funding to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That was, a, that was funding from the U.S. government, from taxpayers, of course, because we're the ones that fund the government. And so it goes through DASAC, goes to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Fauci says it's about $600,000. Was there gain-of-function research going on there? They don't really know. But it's crazy, we're told, to think that the Chinese lab would do any gain-of-function research that could make the viruses more dangerous. Why would they ever do that? Um, except here is Peter Dezak back in 2016 saying some stuff you got to hear. When you get a sequence of a virus and it looks like a relative of a known nasty pathogen, just like we did with SARS, we found other coronaviruses in bats, a whole host of them. Some of them looked very similar to SARS. So we sequenced the spike protein, the protein that attaches to cells. Then we, well, I didn't do this work, but my colleagues in China did the work. You create pseudoparticles, you, look, you insert the spike proteins from those viruses, see if they bind to human cells. And each step of this, you move closer and closer to this virus could really become pathogenic in people. So you narrow down the field, you reduce the cost, and you end up with a small number of, of viruses that really do look like killers. Doesn't that kind of sound like gain-of-function research going on in the Wuhan laboratory? His colleagues in China, he says, where, where else would they be doing this in China? So they were messing with viruses in Wuhan, right? That, that seems pretty clear. We, we know that. So a supercharged virus that's incredibly fast spreading breaks out in a very large country, China, right next to the one lab 
in China that is doing research on bat coronaviruses, specifically gain-of-function research, and they haven't been able to find an intermediary species, and there's intelligence reporting that people in the lab got very sick, hospitalized with the respiratory virus, the Wuhan lab, in 2019, December. Um, anyone want to place bets on whether this really just came from a wet market? Yeah. By the way, there are wet markets all over China. It's not like the only wet market in China is in Wuhan. In Wuhan. So also uh, add that into your assessment of the situation. Now, getting people vaccinated is a big program, a big thing that everybody's up to these days because the vaccination levels have kind of leveled off a little bit. There's not as many people rushing out to get it. There's not as many new vaccinated folks. And uh, so I thought this was interesting. Washington State is offering marijuana cigarettes, joints. I believe that's what a joint is, a marijuana cigarette. For vaccinated people, as part of its strategy to vaccinate more of its population, Washington State will allow adults to claim a free joint of marijuana when they receive a COVID-19 vaccination shot. The state's Liquor and Cannabis Board announced on Monday, joints for jabs, they are calling it, was effective immediately, would run through July 12th. Joints for jabs. Yes, indeed, this is the kind of stuff that in our increasingly legalized marijuana universe, you're going to be seeing more of the government getting people stoned so they'll get vaxxed or getting them vaxxed and then they'll get stoned. But if you're stoned, do you even know, the, do you remember? Probably not. Uh, the New York Times is increasingly, obviously, not just left wing, but, but activist left wing and, and viciously uses cancel culture. The editorial board there and the news writers, they really think that cancel culture is a good thing and, and they're constantly pushing this out there. And, and it makes people ask questions like, what is acceptable belief, in terms of beliefs at the New York Times? Uh, clearly being conservative is not acceptable. I mean, that's going to get you in trouble with your colleagues there. But is patriotism acceptable? Would, would, would the New York Times staff or any member of it feel unnerved just at the at the sight of American flags on display? No, that that wouldn't happen, right? But here's a New York Times and MSNBC contributor, Mara Gay, who said this. Well, I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with, uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden, uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which you know uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear: it was this is my country, this is not your yep. country. Mm, that's not the that's not the message that people flying American flags are conveying. I, I don't know what, what or where we, I don't know where we get that, but now. Now, if you, if you put an American flag up and you're a Republican, you're trying to say, this is my country, this is not... No, you're trying to say, this is my country, this is America, this is our country, uh, and you're celebrating it and you're expressing your patriotism, but that doesn't seem to be a, a plausible explanation, I guess, over the New York Times, doesn't really make much sense to me. And then, before we let you go, the culture is changing very rapidly in America. You've probably noticed that. There's a lot of things going on that you'd say, well, that probably wouldn't have happened even five or 10 years ago. 
And now it's considered not just normal, it's mandatory, meaning if you don't celebrate it, if you have any questions about it, uh, the left will tell you you're a bad person. Um, Nickelodeon is a network for children, right? You think of Nickelodeon, you're thinking of, you know, the green slime stuff coming down on kids and maybe some shows where they learn a little history or they, I don't know, I haven't watched Nickelodeon in so long. I know it's for kids. I guess it's not quite like Sesame Street, but it's supposed to be a kids network. Here's the kind of stuff they're putting on Nickelodeon. And it's a with pride, showing who you are on the inside. Seems a little political for children. That's just the start of it. Oh boy. But we conservatives need to engage on these issues or else we just leave the field open to the left. That's what ends up happening. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly's up next. Shields high.